All righty. Thanks for joining us. Another Monday, another start to another weird week. And I'm Dr. Lee Merritt. And with me is my dangerous colleague from the Dangerous Dames, uh, Courtney Turner from the Courtney Turner podcast. And to, we're going to speak. We always speak about things that the mainstream media won't touch. And tonight, today we're going to speak about uh, theosophy and uh, some of the creepiness surrounding the U.N. and the Lucis Trust. That's that's the plan. So, Courtney. Hello. <laughs> hey, good. Hope you're having a good week start, starting. So, yes. you know, I, my, I, I was mentioning this, and this is how we got on this subject. I was just yes. mentioning that when you superficially look at things, a lot mm -hmm. of things sound really good. Like I ran across Helen, well, I may have known about Helen Blavatsky before in the Theosophical Society, kind of just the terms. But when right. I was researching the, the basis of influenza and what we what really happened in 1918, and I came to the conclusion, this isn't a virus. That's a whole nother. I've got some more information on that, too. But the, but the, the whole thing about the non-virus, that it's an electromagnetic disease and that it was completely, uh, you know, in spite of all the people in medicine saying elsewise, it, it, astronomers showed that the outbreaks historically of influenza, these pandemics, influenza just meaning influence, they perfectly coincided with sunspot cycles. Mm -hmm. and, and we just had one of these episodes where there was a big solar ejection. And I had all these people calling me thinking they had COVID because when you, it is a cosmologic problem. It has to do with charging our ionosphere and how that charge differential affects our ability to metabolize stuff. Anyway, Right. But the one person that seemed to know this ahead of everybody in the 1880s was Helen Blavatsky. And she said, she said, this is not like a disease like, like, you know, cholera or anything else we see. It's got to be cosmological, something in the atmosphere. And she was exactly right. But yeah. then you told me when you go deeper, it's, it's not so pretty, huh? It's not so pretty. So, and then when we get to Alice Bailey, her disciple, of course, right. it sounds really pretty also because like, you know, the the Lucius Trust, because they changed it from Lucifer Publishing, because that didn't sound right. So, <laughs> that really would have turned people off. Yeah. So Lucius Trust sounded a little better. And then their like sister branch is the World Goodwill uh, Association. So, yeah, which sounds lovely. Right. They're doing it's always it's always sounds great. You know, yeah. But with Alice Bailey, I, I think one of the things that you know, we've talked so much about this is that it's really important to adjudicate the information because it doesn't just because it comes from a source that may not be, uh, you know, really as good as it sounds, doesn't mean that it's that it's all fake, that it's all false. Right. right. There is a lot of truth in there. And when you talk to I mean, I've talked to a lot of psychological warfare military guys and they always say that it's a. You know, I've heard different numbers, but they say typically it's 90% truths and 10% right, right. false. And it's that, but the 10% is that hook gripping lie that derails and creates the, dis, the disinformation. So I, I, it doesn't surprise me that she would have been onto some very, uh, you know, very esoterically true things. I mean, that's knowledge that a lot of people didn't have access to. That's knowledge. That, and also it's knowledge that, I feel like would derail people because it's so far off of what the mainstream was saying. So it's right. like, oh, so people are going to dismiss it. And that's typically how disinfo works, right? There's something you release that's actually true, but it sounds so crazy that people don't even bother to look at <laughs> oh, it. Trust me. I mean, we're right in the middle of that one. Well, you know, what's interesting to me, too, about Helen Blavatsky, and I kind of have some sympathy with this. When she was apparently when she was 18 years old, 
-hmm. she just wanted to get out. She, she was raised in Ukraine mm -hmm. um, and yeah. was now Ukraine. And right. she wanted to get her freedom. And so she married some guy and then never spent time with him. She kind of lived off his money, I think, and, and traveled around and her father funded her. But she just took off on a world tour, like within what months of getting married and then took off and never came back to him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but yeah. that gave her the chance to do that. And she ended up in Tibet and she really did. I mean, it does sound like she acquired a lot of information sure. and she sifted through a lot of things and she read these ancient texts. She claims that she taught herself or somebody taught her this ancient Tibetan language. And that's where she quoted this ancient book that only is, exists there. You right. know, I, it's hard to verify now, obviously in the, the sands of time have moved on, but it's, it's clearly uh, an interesting background. And it says that she didn't do this lightly. I mean, she, she does make a lot of interesting points, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, some people are genuinely searching. That doesn't mean that they're not misled or deceived, right? right. You can be, I, I think a lot of people, I mean, she popularized the new age movement. And I think a lot of people who uh, even today, and I think it's very relevant actually today, because what I see happening is like a new new age movement I, I call, that's what I call it. I don't know what it really is, but I, I think it's really dangerous because it is even more deceptive than the original one. And I feel like it's specifically targeting what I call the truther movement. And I, but I think a lot of the people who, and, and this is just my opinion, my observation, but I think a lot of the people who I would kind of classify in this category are great people. I, you know, I don't think that they're intentionally trying to be, if they knew that it was Luciferian or satanic, I don't think that they would intentionally popularize or promote that. But I think that they, they genuinely believe in what they're espousing and what they're seeking. And I, I kind of feel like that might be true of her as well. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting when you talk about like her history, you know, having, a, you know, fled and traveled the world because Alice Bailey was kind of similar too. And they were both connected to um, what was her name? Uh, Batiste, I want to say, who was like a radical feminist. Um, and who, really, who was it? You remember the name? I want to say Batiste. Um, let me see if I can. And that name doesn't it. ring a bell. Batiste, I think it was Batiste. Well, um, here while you're looking at that, I, I'm going to say so. The three principles that Blavatsky apparently espoused, and this is depending on where you read it, it, it kind of seems to be written a little bit differently. But you know, there was she. She believed in a in a in a universal God. I don't, she didn't right. call it that maybe, but it was a, a one omnipresent eternal um, spirit that, and, and, and that could create everything, you know, it's kind yep. of like self-organizing intelligence, creating everything we know in the world that we see the physical world. And then the second principle was that there was uh, cyclic change that periodically the, the things would be destroyed and periodically things would grow and that would constantly evolve somehow through that. And then uh, the other one was that, um, that all everyone was there's everyone's spiritual core was part of that universal. We're all part of that universal oneness. I mean, that's not just Blavatsky. That's essentially Buddhism and lots of other things, but that, that there's a great oneness and we're all part of it, but we see ourselves false when we're in a material form we don't recognize our oneness with it you know right so that part i don't really have a lot of objection to and i don't think it contradicts so the, this, you know, the big three religions really 
Well, I I, I actually think it does. And so okay. I'm trying to find her name. I don't know why I blanked. I had the whole thing pulled up, but it, it'll come back to me and we'll we'll go back to it. But um it actually I think it does because I think when you especially when you get to uh Bailey and Lucius Trust and the it's really the whole agenda is to advance the new world order. And I think the well, purpose right. is to push the the new religion, which is the one world religion. So I think it actually right. and and Blavatsky and Bailey both talk about you know it running uh, in direct opposition to Christianity. And uh, Bailey actually talks about how they need to completely reject the Old Testament and that they need to right. be like, wiped out. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. Well, I, and I didn't mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't mean that, that she was consistent with Christian. I'm just saying what, when, they, when they start out, they make it sound all good. Right. You know, they oh, make yeah. it sound like, okay, I believe in a, in a universal God. You know, I believe in a universal oneness, you know, well, by a different name. Remember, but it just, it just, when she takes it down the road, it becomes something different than what. Well, you know. I'll read some of the quotes from, I have not, just to preface this, I have not read The Secret Doctrine. I have actually now downloaded it and I will read it. It's kind um, of daunting. It, it's <laughs> daunting. And, kind of and that was just it because I kind of had a similar thing. I'm very open-minded and, uh, you know, I will, I, I really went into it with, okay, this doesn't sound so bad. Um, and then, uh, you know, about halfway through, or pretty early on, actually, I had the the feeling of like, why am I looking at all these dark topics? I woke up yeah. asking you about the, the, it's, the devil is literally in the details, right? In the details. But I woke up asking you about the K26R line, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, why do I, what, yeah, why am I looking at all this? This is very dark. And that's yeah. kind of how I felt about this too. But I think that it, it couldn't be deceptive and lure people in if it didn't sound good. And that, that right. is that's the point. like, if they're, if there were a satanic force, right, then wouldn't that be what he would do? It would be, it would Perfect. sound great, right? Yeah. Um, so I'll read some of the quotes. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, from The Secret Doctrine. Once the key to the Genesis is in our hands, it is in the scientific and symbolic Kabbalah, which unveils the secret. The great serpent of the Garden of Eden and the Lord God are identical. Stand in awe of him and sin not. Speak his name with trembling. It is Satan who is the God of our planet and the only God. When the church therefore curses Satan, it curses the cosmic reflection of God. In this case, it is but natural to view Satan as the serpent of Genesis, as the real creator and benefactor of the father of spiritual mankind. This is starting to look very Gnostic. I know we've talked yeah, about Gnostic. Well Gnosticism, but <laughs> at least it's starting to look Luciferianist. Yeah, I mean, you know it's it's you know I mean I I mean I I'm not a Bible scholar, but doesn't it say that that Satan is the is the ruler of this world? Yeah, our world is not again. So part of that again sounds yep. sounds okay, but yep. then she takes it the next step further, and then it kind of kicks you right here. For it is he who is the harbinger of the light, bright, radiant Lucifer who opened the eyes of the automaton, Adam, created by Jehovah, as alleged, and he who was first to whisper, in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall be as Elohim, knowing of good and evil, can only be regarded in the light of the Savior, an adversary to Jehovah, but he still remains in esoteric truth, the ever-loving messenger who conferred on us spiritual instead of physical immortality. It sounds very Luciferian. Yeah. 
what I can. (laughs) It's hard, you know. And again, one of the things that's that's captivating and that's hard to hard to kind of walk walk around and deny is that why would knowledge be bad? You know, in other words, they paint it as he just gave us knowledge. Yeah. Why would that be bad? I know. I and I when I first started (laughs) diving into uh, like you know esotericism and Gnosticism, I had the same reaction. I'm like, I I love knowledge. Does that make me like a Luciferian? Does that make me? I mean, I really had that thought. I was like, that that seemed. But 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 again, is it really? Is that really what happened? Is that really the story of creation? That that the that it's. I think it's also there's a distinction though, right? Because I think the distinction is not so much about. the the lover of knowledge it's about the the power from knowledge and who is in control who then becomes the creator and you know there's this idea of the gnostic notion is that uh they they resent god because he withheld knowledge from us and that really it was satan lucifer through lucifer who was enlightening us and revealing the esoteric knowledge that we uh didn't have access to and so therefore freeing man and 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 is that is that from the Nag Hammadi or is that for some other writings about the Gnostics? That's I'm a great curious. question. Because I don't know. I want to tell you when I, when I, and, and it's hard, I don't have, yeah. you can't, I don't know if you can get this book. I was talking to David Icke about this. He has a mm-hmm. huge book on the Nag Hammadi and yeah. his feeling is, and I'll just say the way he says it, but my brief understanding is it kind of looks like that from what I can understand of, of the Nag Hammadi text is that, they saw the world as being created, but that there was a, there, there, there is the, there is the God of all creation out there, mm-hmm. but, that, but that there's this demiurge, which we might right. call Satan or Lucifer, that, that is the intermediary that yeah. is, is, and, and it goes along with the idea that Satanism is the inverse of, it's the, uh, yeah always inverted whatever you know if it's if if it should be a feast day you have a you have a fast day vice versa right. it's always something backwards and so uh as above so below but backwards right basically. exactly and so 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 the demiurge is essentially the idea that this is the person that that has made this false reality we live in that we live in somehow a false reality and that the the goal is to get out that we are actually parts of god that we are actually you know children of god mm-hmm. that's kind of what i got from that but i i mean that could be wrong i just i'm just wondering if what we have been classically taught from the mm-hmm. you know it takes hundreds of years for text to get out into the public and sure. the nagamati tablets weren't covered weren't discovered till after world war ii and i'm just right. wondering if we're it, hearing old old research by the people that wanted to exterminate the gnostics i don't know because it sure I, sounds like some of the, what they're saying is true, that we have evil things on this planet that are sucking think, off our negative energies. Sure. I mean, I think that's true. I mean, most of my knowledge, I would have to look into that. Most of my knowledge comes from philosophy. So I'm looking at it from the lens right. of like Plato, the Neoplatonists, Hegel, um, and, you know, the the Hermeticists and the, al- the alchemists. So right. I'm looking Plato at- wanted to decrease population. I mean, he was he was the original depopulation guy. Right, but know, who is he inspired? Schwab to be. Yeah, totally. Um, but who was he inspired by? Uh, he was very much inspired by the ancient mystics. Yeah, and you know the the idea of the mystery schools, and that's basically what he was trying to create with uh, his academy and uh, the philosopher kings. So I I think that so that's really you know I don't have as much of the uh, knowledge of uh, 
you know, like the Hamadis, but I have, it's coming from the philosophical and for, it's not that what the knowledge is all bad. I mean, a lot of the esoteric right. knowledge, the problem with it from what I could see and where I, and personally where I took issue with it is that it was withheld from the masses. It was a way of controlling others. And right. we see that now too, right? It's the elites who are initiated have access to this esoteric knowledge and then it's withheld and occulted uh, from the rest of us. And then what happens in these initiate groups, right? There's all this, uh, you know, the blackmail and it just looks like that once you get into that, it's a very dark circle. So, yeah. but it's couched in a false light. So that, that's my problem with it. It's, it's not that I think no. the knowledge itself is bad and it's not that I think the knowledge is false either. I mean, you look at things like sacred geometry, there's a lot of truth in that. There's, you know, there's a tremendous, uh, uh, revelation in studying sacred geometry. It's not that it was, you know, a misdirection, uh, or that it's inherently evil, but I think it's that they they don't teach us even. I mean, now they're teaching Common Core. They don't even want to teach basic geometry. They don't want the masses to know it. <laughs> I know that's the problem to me. It's not that the knowledge itself I think is evil. It's that they are you know they think that they will somehow have uh, this. And I, I and when you look at Luciferianism and and uh, Satanism through the lens of people like Bailey and uh, Blavatsky. And even the Nazis, they talked about that they would have access to these demons who, through that channeling, they would have this esoteric knowledge that would give them elevated power. And what do they want power over? It's over other human humans. Right, right. So to me, that's evil. It's not It's not the knowledge itself that I take issue with. Right, that's right. Me personally. All right, I'll read one more. He says, Satan or Lucifer represent the active, the centrifugal energy of the universe in a cosmic sense. Filthy is he as his adherence consigned to the sea of fire because it is the sun, the fount of life in our system where they are petrified and churned up to rearrange them for another life. That sun, which is as the origin of the active principle of our earth, is at once the home and the source of the mundane Satan. That sounds kind of like the, the sun worship. Right, exactly. That's what I... What I... I came to that exact thought is that what she's talking about is what the basis of sun worship is. On the other hand, it is true that the, the sun is the source of all life on earth. Sure. Ultimately, this always goes back to energy and understanding the, the, how energy, how we, how we are involved in this, you know? Yeah, yeah there it is. That's, that's kind of a neat, uh, their symbol. Yeah. A lot, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it, it, it looks like I mean, it looks like a pyramid kind of has the trident of Ukraine. Yep, it <laughs> does. Say. Which it is, is the trident has a, uh, you know, mystical uh, worship reference as well. And I can't remember what it was, but it does. Um, that's interesting. Trident uh, symbol. I forgot what that stood for. Yeah, I'd be interested to know, because, of course, the trident, it's also, you know, the, the Neptune and the Navy SEAL. Um, medallion. It was associated with the Greek god Poseidon, oh. but I yeah. think, but I'm pretty sure they used it in uh, certain like Masonic references. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It. Yeah, that because that's where I'm thinking. I remember it. Yeah, their deep deeper symbolism. Let me see if I can send this. Um, 
We can put this up on the screen if we can. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it says it's pretty interesting that they they could even have a. When was the Lucifer Publishing set up in the 19, in nineteen twenty, and then it became Lucius Trust in nineteen twenty two. Right. It just didn't last very long under the name Lucifer. Nobody wanted their book published by Lucifer Publishing. I, I'm yeah. with them on that. <laughs> I yeah. Well, it reminds me of a uh, you know uh, before canola oil, it was called rapeseed oil. Right. I yeah, imagine that wasn't too popular. <laughs> right. And rapeseed oil has toxic uh, allergy. I think it's allergic acid in it. I mean, yeah. It, it, canola never, there's no canola plant and it was never a healthy thing. Again, it's one of these things where they always tell you a good thing, but it's always, it's always something else. Right. It was Canadian. Yeah. They may change it to Canadian national uh, oil. Yeah. So the mind, the intellect. Okay, oh, go back up. It said the three yeah. energy channels. That's exactly, interesting. Right there. Okay. So there you go. It's always about energy. So energy is the is it's how everybody interprets and 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 I honestly, that's that's what's coming out now. I mean, look, we we never heard about free energy until mm -hmm. in the last twenty years. Right. And um, I mean, some people did, but most people we didn't study Tesla in school. Right. I mean, even I'm going to tell you, I took college physics. I never studied Tesla. And that's apparently the what happened when, you know, and it makes, to me, honestly, one of the questions there, which we'll get into, that's next week, probably, yes. uh, is the question of who Einstein really was. Yeah. You know, because had it not been for Einstein taking us down that path, we went, might have had free energy. You know, there's a there's a lot of lot to say about what's been going on. And it's the, you never know who the players are. It's really hard to figure out. But um well and they I always put somebody forward that's very showy. And he was right. really showy. You know, it's like Klaus Schwab. I was telling somebody yesterday, I said, once you see, you know, they if they want to distract you, they put up, you know, when things were, they put up Klaus Schwab in a negligee on the beach and you just can't get that out of your brain. So it's like when you, when that, that tells you that he's not the guy to look at. It's somebody right. else. It's somebody behind man. him. They're, they're trying to distract with you. Well, Noah Harari, he's a total front man. He's such a right. character. He's very like flamboyant over the top. Yeah. He, he looks like a cyborg. He sounds like a cyborg. Yeah. I, I, well, I, here's one. Did you know about the Key and Scroll Society or Scroll and Key Society? No. Right. Oh, yeah, Scroll and Key Society. Yeah. Because yeah. we're always talking about the Skull and Bones Society, but yeah. it turns out at Yale, the big dogs are in the scroll and key society. So they, they push the, the George Bush juniors in, you know, they're, they're, they're the, uh, that's the one that's going to go out front. So nobody looks at us. I think right. that's what's going on at every level. I think so too. Well, and they also, they just have all of these different offshoots. So I, I didn't spend that much time on Blavatsky just because, because, uh, I didn't have a chance to read the secret doctrine, which seems like really what I need to read. But I found those quotes and I was like, okay, that seems pretty. Um, oh, here, Scroll and Key Society, Yale University. I, right. I have heard of it, so I don't know the the well, lineage of the chain. Right. So it turns out all of modern virology apparently seems to be based on a paper written by John F. Enders. And this is what I learned from George Webb is that when things are confusing, just start looking at people. Yeah. So I went down the road of who is John F. Enders and what did he really say? What was his paper in 1954 that got this whole thing uh, into the realm of, of where it wasn't just speculated, but now we think it's real. Well, right. it turns out he was a, 
multimillionaire, inherited $19 million from his father, and he took himself to Yale University where he got a degree and he was inducted as one of the 15 people every year into the uh, Scroll and Key Society. Or Key, I never remember which one came first. But it's it, Scroll and Key. Yeah. Scroll and Key, yeah, Scroll yeah. and Key Society. And then he went off to Harvard. I mean, there are three institutions that seem to be recurrent when we're dealing with these, these Uber, yep. Uber guys, you know, that kind of lead the, lead the Illuminati show. And that's Harvard, Yale and Johns Hopkins. I'm, you know, not saying everybody there is corrupt. I'm just saying that's where a lot of stuff comes out of. But sure. anyway, he went there and he and then he wrote this paper that it's when that's a whole other story. But when you look at it, it just doesn't it makes up terms. It makes up the term virus. It redefines virus as, as something that he can't prove there's anything there. It's an effect. Oh. He's never he can't see it, touch it, touch it, grow it and nothing. It's an effect. It's essentially they put toxic slurry into brains of monkeys. And right. where did they get the toxic slurry that was labeled poliomyelitis virus by a guy named Lansing? But you can't get at those papers. Talk about the occult. They've shut down our ability as, as medical doctors, as scientists, to unless you're in a big institution and you have the authority, we don't have the authority to read this stuff. I know. So, and most people don't, go, want, don't have the time and interest to go back and read this old stuff. But without that, you don't know what they started with. So we have yeah. no, they, they started with a slurry of unknown stuff. They injected it into monkeys' brains. Yes. And then, then as the monkey started getting sick, they'd take some out and then they'd put it into another monkey brain. That's called a patent. It's the first pass, second pass, third pass. Mm-hmm. At the third pass, that monkey actually uh, got paralysis of his legs. And so they said, huh, must be poliomyelitis virus. Are you kidding I know. Me? When Are I was, when I, I, I know when I started reading, cause he, you know, and I think uh, my audience knows, but for, for everybody watching, it was very, very hard for me to accept the virology lie to even investigate it. I get uh, it. <laughs> and when I did though, that was the biggest thing is that, cause they, they kept doing all these studies trying to prove contagion. And the only one that I found personally that I found was where they like literally maimed the monkey's brains. And then they were like, Oh, they're sick. And I'm like, that does not prove contagion. What do you think is going to happen if you do you maim any being? <laughs> I, like- I mean, we're di- even disregarding that the t- trauma of inserting yeah. stuff into a brain, right. uh, the fact is you don't know what they started with, and even if they and they and they clearly didn't start with anything back then that was that they could say was purely that they had an organism that they had isolated. There was nothing. So they've right. never, it's, it's all speculative, but then he got the Nobel prize. These, he and his other authors got the Nobel prize and then the speculation became fact and nobody has questioned it since. Since then. Right. Yeah. Well, and we, if anybody out there knows what LD 50 is, it's the lethal, lethal dose at which 50% of the specimens die. Right. So what they determined, they, they claimed the amount of virus, they says that, you know, they'll call this the amount of virus, but it's really just how much, the lethal the lethal dose at which 50% of the of the rats died because then they moved to m- mice they took this stuff out of the mice uh, the monkey brain put it in mice and they saw how much stuff was required over what period of time to kill the mice oh wow and that became a proof of viruses are you kidding me it's I mean, absurd. I'm not the smartest researcher, but this is just nonsense in my opinion. It's it, I, I, it's certainly sounding like it. Um, I just wanted to say I did look up uh, the scroll and key. And uh, so there's another one that I did not know of. It's called like the wolf's head. Yeah. yeah. See, there are three. And that's that. So probably these two are the ones we need to be looking at, not the, the skull I and think bones. so. And the, it says it was established by John Addison Porter. 
with aid from several class members in 1846, 8042, sorry. And it's Leonard Case Jr. and Theodore Runyon. Um, so of the big like, three, so, so Skull and Bones is supposed to, I don't know what they're known for, but the, but the, but the, the point was that they, they say that the big money one is the scroll and key. Yeah. I don't know what Wolf's head is supposed to be, what their thing is, but obviously that they have different kind of deals that they, who knows. And, I, uh, and do we know anybody in the Wolf's head? I want to know. I know. <laughs> is, I do too. This, I, I'm like, that's, the, that might be another, another. Uh, is this what Putsy was in? What, you know, the Wolf's head sounds very Germanic and, uh, you know, Wehrmacht uh, or something, but, you know, remember the uh, Hitler's friend, Putsy Hofstengel or something like that. And mm -hmm. he came, he was, he came over and studied in America, was fluent in English. And he studied in the Ivy League. I'm not sure where, I think I was thought it was at Harvard, but it'd be interesting to know if he was, he, he sounds like he'd be a, a shoe in for the Wolf's, wolf's <laughs> we'll have to look that up, look up some. I know, I, we'll definitely have to look yeah. up that up because that's well, very. Okay, but, but speaking of this, how about, I don't know much about um, uh, the, the founder, the Lucis Trust founder. The, uh, right, so I like I was saying, Alice I didn't Taylor. go too much into Blavatsky just because I, I, I really feel like before I could really make a you know, thorough assessment. I'd need to really read that, but I did find those quotes and that, that, that was pretty telling for me. And then of course her disciple was Alice Bailey and Alice Bailey was the founder of the Lucius trust. It was Lucifer published company in 1920. And then 1922, they reached organized and changed the name to the Lucius trust. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, it, it's said that, you know, it was founded on Luciferian uh, belief system. And there, so this is Blavatsky's words also. This is a, a quote from her. Oppose the materialism of science and every day, every dogmatic theology, especially the Christian, which the chiefs of society regard as particularly pernicious. So, yeah. So it was very much, she was very against Christianity, but the chiefs of society are the uh, like ascended masters or um, they also call it the externalized hierarchy. So it's essentially these, what you could argue are like these demons that channel through them. That's yeah. uh, I mean, I think, didn't she, Bailey claimed, I think that when she was in England or someplace that she was saved multiple times, like from being in an accident or something. And she kept seeing this guy. Yeah. And then, and then he turned out to be some big, when she went to India or Tibet or something, then she actually saw the real person. And he, yeah. he was one of these, what she considered this master that told her, you have to go on the journey and you have to, I mean, it's a great story. I just, yeah. I just and she, she had a similar thing where like she was married and then he, uh, turned on her and like was apparently very abusive to her. She got divorced and it was then when she came here, um, she, in 1917, she came to the United States and that's where she became introduced to theosophy. And that's where she met Foster Bailey. And he was a 33rd degree Scottish, uh, right. Freemason. Oh, so this was Alice Bailey was not born in America. Mm-mm. Okay, yeah. I was talking, yeah, so okay. She, she's British. She was born in England. Okay, so she may have met England. her over there then. She may have met Blavatsky in Britain. She may have, or, but it or says at least she came, Blavatsky was already here. Yeah, she, she, I think it was she here because she became introduced in 1917, it says, okay. to to the, theos, the theosophical teachings. Um, yeah, so she, 
And then she met her husband, who was a, a high-level Freemason, Scottish Rite Freemason. Um, and I'm trying to find the guy's name because I, it's Dual Cool, but I, I, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Uh, they just refer to him as DK, but that's the guy who like she kept hearing, uh, you know, in on oh. told her to go on the journey and who became her, like, guide. Bulbasi's guide. No, Bailey. Bailey. Oh, okay. So yeah, Blavatsky had, I was talking about Plavatsky had the same kind of story. Yeah. When, yeah, yeah. when she was in England, she had this thing. So, okay, they both had this issue. They did, and they're both very uh, interested in the, uh, like, uh, mystical Buddhism. So what I'm seeing as I start doing all this research is that all of these different religions have these mystical variations of them, right? Like the Judaism has the Kabbalah. We have... Uh, the the mist now I'm finding out there's mystical Buddhism not just I mean Buddhism seems mm. very mystical as is but there's like a mystified version of it and uh, again I think if there were to be a, a great deceiver isn't that what they would do they would give sure. you like a <laughs> and as we were having the conversation about the Talmud which I need to really look into further but yeah it would it would make sense that there would be you know, some other kind of doctrine that's to steer people away and to deceive them. And that does seem to be what they're and, and changing languages and making them hard to get at. That's again, I don't think it's by accident that we can't get at the scientific papers right now that we need to read. And at least the average person can't. So they always make things, whether it's by putting it into an arcane language and yeah. then making sure you never learn that language. You know, yeah. it's like we used to study Latin. For medicine, for example, we don't yeah. do it anymore. We might learn some things. We, I wanted uh, to study Latin. I didn't have the op the opportunity. It, when I was in like elementary school, I used to ask, like, "Can we have a Latin course? I'd like to learn." Right, and before we had public education, the Prussian system, it yeah. was very common. Of Most course. people were literate in America, and a, a great many people had actually studied classics in the the original language. They either studied Latin, Greek, or. Uh, uh, Hebrew or something. Yeah. I can't remember what the other one was. Aramaic. I can't remember. Aramaic, but they, but we had a we classical. You really had our classics course in college in the sixties was kind of watered down. I mean, it was all in English, awful. of course. So yeah. yeah, it's only the PhD classics guys that learn a, a language, the ancient right. languages. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that that I think that's intentional. I think that's by design. But yes, rid of, by the way, getting rid of old people also helps that losing the history. I yeah. old, if you know if you're a hundred, if you live to a hundred, mm -hmm. you've lived through multiple generations. You have lots of stories to tell about the world. Of course. But if they make sure that you, you die younger, they keep well, decreasing our life expectancy. There's no like no like corporate memory in humanity anymore. I think that it's not just decreasing the lifespan, but I think. Uh, and you would know this better than me, but I my theory is that they're inducing these dementia, Alzheimer's type. Absolutely. Right. And I think they're doing it intentionally through lots of lifestyle me mechanisms that have become, you know, very commonplace. But I think right. they're doing it intentionally so that this type of generational learning cannot be passed down. And, and here's an easy way to do it. Uh, eat a low fat diet. Which, right. puts you, which means usually when you do that, you're also eating a high wheat diet, high grain diet, and take a statin drug. So, right. you know, wheat is toxic to the brain. Your, your brain's made of cholesterol and fat. You know, that's what it's made of. And when you take a statin drug, you decrease your ability to make your brain cells and your, and your 
neurotransmitters. And doctors are seriously incentivized to give everybody statin drugs. Mm-hmm. I know. Financially. No. So I tried to give it to my right. mom and I was like, no, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's really what's going on. You're right. I think so too. Um, but yeah. no, it was Bailey and they both had these similar experiences, huh. but interestingly enough with Bailey, she initially rejected it. She was like, I'm not going on this journey. I don't want to, cause she actually grew up in a very uh, traditional Orthodox Christian home, but this master, like one of the first times came to her and, and I have a quote here. I think it was interesting that basically that she needed to be tamed because she was so rebellious and, uh, and he told her, if you could just get a hold of yourself, then, you know, you could do so much and you could achieve so much. And uh, essentially, it was kind of his way of steering her that the problem was that she was being repressed. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she was being repressed right. by this Orthodox Christian, uh, you know, teachings. And she needed to find another way, but that she could be so powerful if she did. And he would show her how. Um, and, and where do we, these, did she think he was a real human being? Or was you know, this some kind of ghostly really eminence that appeared to her? I, I, yeah, I. It, it's not quite clear to me. I'd, I'd have to read her biography and to really kind of parse through that. It it seems like she almost feels like he's a, like, I guess maybe people who think that uh, people like in uh, uh, speak to them in other dimensions. They're channeling or, somebody. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. She okay. sounds like she's being channeled by a mass. Uh, this ascended master, because that's what she keeps calling him. Um, but yeah, I, but it's unclear to me whether that means like a, you know, whether he's a real person. But this is what they say. The contacts with the secret chiefs, right? They, they have many names for them. Familiar spirits, angels, and ascended masters. So I guess it, it it is a spirit, but I don't know whether they think that means like a person from another time period or it means really just a spirit. I really don't know. Because some people think of angels as like, you know, deceased ones coming to talk to them. Like, I don't, I don't know what it meant to her, but yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but, I can't remember his name, but it's the, it it's was, Duval, it was, I'm going to find it right here. Do it was DK is what they called him. Do du, Duval. I'm probably butchering it. Duval cool. It's D W it's sorry. D J W H A L K H U L. Duval. Duval. Sounds, sounds very Indian. It is, yeah. yeah. Something. yeah. Well, there, but there's another one that's, it's the, um, what is Count Saint Germain? That's the ascended master we keep hearing about in mm -hmm. reference to the financial system today. There, That is being, I, I think this is the road we need to go down. I think we need to research this guy and figure out, because that is exactly what they call him. The, yeah. the uh, Count Saint Germain and uh, oh god, we have to bring in Alistair Crowley. Of course, he yeah, calls him. I, I, I'm well, sure he, I'm sure he can tell Alistair you about Crowley this. Crowley influenced Blavatsky. This is why it's really hard for me not to see it as Satanism. I just right. I so just, how does he relate to Blavatsky? He, I think he was a. Uh, I think he influenced her. Or he taught. He studied. He would have been younger though, wouldn't he? Quite a bit. Maybe he studied under her. He might have studied under her and influenced her that way. Um, while in Algeria in 1909, yeah, and she was what year? That's what I remember reading that was that he influenced her, but it might have been like a yeah, might have, might have, yeah. yeah. So, wait, it's the secret chiefs and the made communications to others, including H.P. Blavatsky, Helena, 
Savasi who called them Tibetan masters or Mahatmans, C.W. Ledbaster, Alice Bailey called them masters of ancient wisdom. I'm wondering if that other, the I thought her name was Batiste because there was a split between like the neo-theosophical. So this is the other thing that I'm seeing is that in all of these different movements, you have these slight splits. And I think they're done to make you think that they've rejected uh, you know, whatever movement it was, which is really not true because this is, I think, really just dialectical progression, you know, and I think about it like you think about like the 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 old Hegelians, the new Hegelians, the, you know, the the, the Marxists, the neo-Marxists, like they split, but the neo-Marxists don't reject Marxism, right? They, they basically right, they just have a little different twist. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So communism re- works. It's communism works. It just wasn't. You guys didn't do it right. You didn't do it right. Yeah, yeah we're gonna do it right. So, yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to look at what the connection with. But there is a connection between Crowley and uh, Blavatsky. It might. He might have been a disciple of hers. I don't know. So here, but, here's the one that really gets me is that the that the UN and the, the Lucis Trust and the UN are somehow joined at the hip. They are. Yeah. So you just go to okay. Well, do you want to go right to that or? Sure, I, okay. I want to know what the what the and I and the satanic temple in the UN that that <laughs> that what's his name? Uh, the guy we always thought was when I was growing up, Dog Hammarskjöld was like, oh, he was like a saint in the world because he did all this stuff to you know the UN. But now it looks like he's the satanist within. That's so funny. When I started doing the, this research for this, I I found this video and this guy was talking about how he just told his son about the UN and how it's, it was years ago, but he was like, I just told my son how there's this organization, it's called the UN and it's so great, you know, it promotes peace among all nations and, yeah. and he's like, I have to now explain to my seven-year-old that it's really evil. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was misled. Created to enslave man. I'm not really sure how to have this conversation. <laughs> And that they're not promoting peace. Uh, it was really funny, though. Uh, yeah, so the Lucius Trust, yeah, this is the United Nations Meditation Room. So Lucius Trust promulgates the worst work of Ascended Masters, um, working through Alice Bailey. So Alice Bailey had this uh, this DK, we'll just call him because I'm sure I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. I don't want to be disrespectful. Um, but DK, and that's what they refer to him in a lot of the writings as well. Uh, but apparently he channeled through her for 30 years and they have many different like organizations. So they have the, all these different fronts. So as you saw, when you just go to the Lucius Trust, you also see the Goodwill. Um, you see the Arcane Society. Uh, there's like several different branches of it. Let me see if I can get the name. There's Lucius Trust, the Arcane School, World Goodwill, and then Triangles. Um and I can go through each one of those as well. Um, but yes, yeah, so then it, they, so they, the Lucius Trust worships an external hierarchy of ascended masters who carry out the work of essentially what sounds like a Luciferian master plan for the establishment of permanent age of Aquarius ruled by Sanat Kumara, who they see as like the Lord of the world. And I did a little bit of investigating into the age of Aquarius because I I keep seeing this come up um, and I honestly don't fully understand it. And I, I I think the reason why is because there's a lot of discrepancy about what it essentially is. Um, 
but they do talk about it being the end. And I think we have this. Yeah. So this is like the, the chakras that they always use as the picture for the age of Aquarius. And they talk about it being the end of the industrialized uh, time. And let me see if we can scroll down and see, read it. Is that just the picture? Do we have? Yeah, there we go. Um, the astrological age of calculation. So if we scroll down a little bit more, right, we have all, this is based on astrology, obviously. And they talk about it coming after the age of Pisces. Um, but the part that I, that I thought really made the most sense in terms of what I keep reading, what I keep seeing, we scroll down a little bit more. Um, they talk about uh, it being the change. Yeah, here, the, the meaning, the astrological meaning Traditionally, Aquarius is associated with electricity, computers, flight, democracy, freedom, humanitarianism, idealism, modernization, nervous disorders, rebellion, nonconformity, philanthropy, veracity, perseverance, humanity, and irresolution. Um, and they, but they say that it's the end of, uh, right, okay, here. So they, this was Marsha Moore and Mark Douglas who promoted the view that. Nobody knows when the Aquarian age begins, but they, they say the American Revolution and the Industrial Revolution, discovery of electricity, attribute to the Aquarian age. Because okay. uh, so, aren't there several cycles that are coming together right now? We've got this, this yes. like this, this big 20, yeah. is it how big is 24,000 year cycle? Yes. But, the, but this age of Aquarius is, is that the part of the 24,000 years? Back up. Um, I think it is. Um, so, yeah. So another view is that the rise of scientific rationalism combined with the fall of religious influence and focusing on human rights since the 1780s, the exponential growth of technology plus the advent of flight, space, travel are evidence of the dawning of the age of Aquarius. So at the, I don't know. I mean, I just it's really like, cause I, I feel like they're all kind of conflicting with each other, but it sounds like they want, uh, you know, they're basically arguing that somehow this is going to be like the humanist era is going to come forth, which sounds to me like the, the new religion. And it's like, when you look at, uh, you know, like the humanist manifesto and a lot of these, um, theosophists were like tied to that. The whole new age movement was connected to, uh, like the humanist movement, which is very man-centered, which again sounds very Gnostic to me, but it's also uh, aligned with this idea that they're pushing towards a one-world religion where everything is right. one and it's all. And that's what Bailey talks about a lot: is the blurring of that all of these religions kind of converge, that there is no distinction between any of them. And so, and uh, the other thing I wanted to point out was when you were talking about. Uh, like initially, like the, you know, the idea of a, a deist, essentially, like that there is the one power. But remember, and it was in that uh, William Still book, he talked about it too. But Bishop said that he really wanted deists because it was a stepping stone to atheism, which is a stepping stone to the esoteric occult uh, right. faith. It right. was easier to transition them. That's not to say that deists are necessarily occultists, you know, but right, th right. I think they knew that it was an easier transition than taking somebody who's entrenched in a very specific kind of uh, faith, whether it be uh, certainly, you know, a sect of Christianity, but really any kind of faith would be harder. Right. right. You know, but back to this age of Aquarius. So, yeah. so it's the, you know, this whole yuga cycle too. 
is yeah. that we're coming, we're supposed to be coming out of this bronze age, I think, yeah. into the golden age. And that's that's where this yeah. golden age, this Aquarius starts. And uh yeah, okay. The slow pro processional rotation lasts for 2160 years on average, and a great year is about twenty-six thousand. Yeah, I was thinking it was twenty-five thousand. 20, oh, okay, twenty-six. Yeah, but suddenly they're all they're all lining up. It is kind of an interesting astro astrological time that we're well, in. So this is the thing. I think that some of the you know they had they were onto something, and we've talked about this that there's some truth. I I believe at least to the astrological, uh, you know. At, at least just the alignment of where things are in times and space. It seems like that there would be some sort of a energetic impact of that. But I think they took that yeah. and they, they've, they've kind of created a whole other religion out of it, it seems like. Well, it's interesting that, you know, I've talked about Kaznacheyev and the Russians because in the 1930s, Kaznacheyev showed that you could, you could create, you could, if you poisoned a set of so cells on one side of a glass window that was unconnected to the other, but identical cells, you could transmit that, that death of those cells to the good cells through a quartz window. So if I poisoned side A with arsenic and then 12 hours later, side B would start dying because they were in close proximity, right. but they were, they were, they were separate. Okay. So there yeah. was an electromagnetic transmission of a, what they called the, the photoni smerti or the death photons. Right. And it meant, and, and it was in the UV wavelength. If you put window glass between them, it didn't happen. So there was clearly a physical reality here of wavelength that we kind of understand in the UV band that was doing this. And right. other people have confirmed this, that, that you can, cells that are dying will give off something that will cause nearby cells to die. Right. So, so what's the point is that his, the Kaznacheyev's uh, follow on this, people that, that came after him, they actually that, started. Ask you one question. Is that like kind of where the notion of pleomorphism comes from? Or no, I think this is, this is okay. one of the ways we get to transmission of disease that isn't a virus. That's where it comes from. And this is, this is what, what happened if you could capture the death photons and project them from 5G towers. That's also where it goes. Yeah, that's the, that's the classic picture. And that's about the only thing you'll find in English. But when I scoped out the, the Russian stuff on Kaznacheyev, you come across his follower on people that, that, looked, that, that took his work the next step. And right. one of them started with a T, and I want to say Trimofiev, but I don't remember for sure. I'll have to look that up. I haven't okay. thought about this in a while. But basically what he said is there's a there was a whole group of these guys that were looking at the the electrom how electromagnetic frequency affected the life of someone after they were born. In other words, how how a pregnant woman's exposure to electromagnetic frequency made a difference to the child. And it turns mm -hmm. out it does. So if you're in the womb, so, there's something, and I can't remember exactly now what they say. I will have to look this up, but it, it, I have to find the stuff. I downloaded it somewhere on my computer, but it was basically if you, uh, if when you were pregnant and you were in the womb, you had, a, there was an electromagnetic, you know, surrounding your mother and mm -hmm. that affected how you went forward in some ways. So that wow. is the basis of real astrology. The point they were making is, this is what the ancients knew that when all the stars are lined up, because, you know, again, and this is kind of what Blavatsky said about the influenza that she didn't understand maybe sunspot cycles associated with it, but she knew that something was happening out there that affected right. us in all sorts of ways. Sure. And so it's the idea that of the electromagnetic frequencies prior to the, prior to 
polluting the world with cell phones and telegrams and you know radar and all this stuff. All we had was the electromagnetic frequency that came from the planets. And so when those lined up and did certain things, you can kind of see that there might be some, it isn't, the, right. they, again, what have they done? They've made this kind of bullshit science of, exactly. of astrology that you see in the newspapers that's just make a bunch of, you know, for the most part made up. But there are real right. astrologists out there that look at this from a different way. And it has to do with the date of your birth and where the stars were. Right. And so there is something there. I don't know how to. I, I feel like there is. is something there. And I think that they create these other things. I mean, some of it, I, I don't want to make everything, you know, like a. Uh, a sinister plan, you know, behind but it. it. Is. For the most part, it, it, is, it, is, right. it does seem like it, but you know, it might also just be, uh, you know, lucrative uh, to have uh, people, you know, going reading tarot cards and uh, right. looking at the newspaper. But I do think it's also because it, this way it dis discredits it. I do feel like right. it's a, that's I, I'm with you. I think that's a hundred percent what this is. I think, yeah. yeah, you know, other people get into it that are just scam artists and things, but the real story is somebody benefits from that being out there and it's not the it's not the people involved in it necessarily it's the it's that we're not looking same with the scroll and key society we weren't looking at them we right? weren't looking we were looking at skull and yeah. bones not to say that skull and bones wasn't very instrumental i mean they were very yeah. instrumental in uh taking over education exporting the prussian model uh to the united states and it sounds like lucius trust was very involved in education as well um they were they're really, yeah. So there's the Arcane School. Um, this is, uh, yeah, this is one of this. So there's the, you know, I was going through the different ones. So there's this Lucius Trust, which for 50 years is at the United Nations. Currently, it's located on Wall Street in New York City. It provides uh, the worldwide financial support for the Arcane School, which is this. Um, and the World Goodwill and Triangles, Lucius Publishing, Lucius Productions. You have a whole production. Uh, company as well lucius trust libraries and the new group of world services maintain and they also maintain the un meditation room um that's okay so that's that's that room that that looks that people call the satanic temple in the un but it's really their meditation, meditation room, okay. room but it, i kind of i mean i don't know <laughs> it sounds like when i start reading like through bailey and her uh, meditations, right? It does kind of sound like they've, uh, they've kind of, because the new age movement that uh, Bailey and Blavatsky popularized is, was the like forerunner for the movie, The Secret. The whole new age movement was this idea of this law of attraction through meditation. And again, it's not to say that there's no validity to it or that there's no truths in it, because I do believe there's energy. I do believe, you know, I think... Uh, physicists right. have proven some element of truth there, but I, I also think there's a deception as well. And it's like you're so you're now worshiping something that is not that could possibly be a false light is what it looks like to me. But um, and, yeah. and again, if you think that maybe the world has been hacked electromagnetically for a long mm -hmm. time, that what we think of as mm -hmm. as normal patterns and things in nature Maybe not, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, what if we're living in electromagnetic environment? I, I keep going back to Saturn. They worship Saturn. They and do. here's the black cube. That's one of the symbols of Saturn. Yeah. I mean, it's not really a completely cube. I, I get that. It's a, it's, it's a, yeah. it's, it's a rectangle, you know, yeah. that, you know, isn't quite cubic, but it's, mm. it's, um, 
and and I I thought it was completely black. Maybe they just painted the white on top, so we were. I can't tell if they painted it or if that's just the light reflection because it's supposed to be the biggest piece of magnetite in the world, isn't it? Something. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I don't. I can't tell if that. It might just be a white light shining on it. I'd have to find another picture to know. But so that's the other thing is. So when we talk about you know um, EMP and electromagnet EMF, I mean electromagnetic frequencies, we we tend our brains tend to, to gravitate to the electric part of that, you know, the Tesla mm-hmm. chantry, but magnetism is a big deal. And so we, we have not, it's like, that's my point about, uh, I do electroculture and it's mm-hmm. not about just capturing electrical energy or energy from the ether. It's also about magnetizing the soil, remagnetizing the soil. Yeah. And, and well, that's why like grounding is so uh, effective for right. against EMF. Yeah. Right. And they've they've purposely told us to use don't you they told the farmers in the 20s and 30s not to use uh, copper tools, use iron tools, because if you if you use copper, you'll get so many so much production that the price will go down and you won't make a living. That's how they discourage this. But when you use iron tools in the soil, it demagnetizes the soil. Right. You know, and so so our grand when we talk about the, the soil today. Um, it just doesn't have the same energy. And they know the, the guy, it turns out if you look at basic geologic and, and uh, what's the branch of science that I found this in, but anyway, and they, they said they, these telluritic currents in that they're supposed to be in the soil get screwed up and they know this, but they just mm-hmm. didn't tell us, you know, we never learned this in basic and even in college science courses, we never heard about this, but, but that's what's going on. And so, you know, our grandparents, they used wooden, wooden posts to make their farm, fields and different things and and but we put in all these iron posts we're constantly demagnetizing or damaging the 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 magnetic properties of the soil around us and i can tell you doing it with copper i got the biggest yield biggest radishes i mean it was unbelievable so there's something to this and so now you've got a room this lucis trust funds this room that's got this huge piece of magnetite in it Mm -hmm. what's it all about i'm just asking i don't have an answer i'm just asking what's it all about I don't know, um, but yeah, I'm sure. It, I think it's kind of like the the ley lines that they're so invested in, you know, building yeah. their structure like Disneyland, and I, I don't know what it what it symbolizes, but yeah. So it looks like they're the Lucius Trust is very instrumental in building the New World Order. Um, let me see where was this quote that I was about to read. Oh, and by oh. the way, do you know where the One World Religion is supposed to be centered? Where? F- fun fact. In Tulsa, Oklahoma. What religion? <laughs> when they get the one world religion. Oh. When we finally get rid of all these nasty little individual religions like Christianity and Judaism and all that. When we have the one world religion we can all agree upon and humanity will be saved. It's going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That is the plan. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's I'm hilarious. Yeah, I know. Well, Tulsa which, is which interesting. the Native Americans just took back, by the way. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows that's, what that means? Wow, that's very interesting. Um, Tulsa is interesting. There's it there's definitely I, I know the Native Americans may have taken back quite a bit now, but there there's a lot of uh very it, like occultic type symbolism all over it. Including in the buildings. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's just kind of creep some of the buildings are kind of creepy down there. Yeah. Very creepy. Um, yeah, so I, I think that the thing that would be most uh, helpful is just to go through some of the different connections that it has because it has ties to like 
all of these different international organizations. So I could just listen. This is the loosest trust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like its reach is just crazy. Um, yeah. So let me see. Well, it's got backing. <laughs> it's got uh, the big backing. I really couldn't find though. Um, I really couldn't find exactly who it's from. Like if you, go I, I'm making I'm making a joke about how like you know going uh, Dylan's point about he sold out to the big guy. You know, going to the crossroads. Lucifer. Right. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. To, people, people that sell out to that side seem to do very well, either financial, financially, somehow. That seems to be true than that. Like it, this, this particular article said, and this is what a lot of them said, but I can't find any anything that actually shows this. They say that, right. but when you go to their their website, it's like says that it's just funded by donations. Um, yeah, financing the work of the Lucius Trust, and you know they just welcome donations. They don't tell you anything about who look it's at from. the first line though. Money is the manifestation of energy. I know. I know. <laughs> I love it. All I energy. It. That's exactly applied. what we're saying. It's all about energy and it's how they view it. Right. You know? And so this is, and I mean, I've had disputes with people about this because there are people who, uh, a lot of Christians think that uh, all magic is bad and that all magic is inherently evil. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't know enough to know, but I will say that a lot of these people seem to be magicians. Uh, they literally think they're wizards and, but for them, it's about power and it is to, it's right. power over others. And I think, you know, the argument is that if that magic comes, there is light magic, but that the magic has to come from the higher power. It has to come from God. And that's, that's light magic, but that magic, uh, that man is, a uh, you know, holding to lord over others is obviously you know well and regard, and let's but. just face it making making the blind see is that not what what if 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 and i'm going to get i'm going to step in this and people are going to come yell at me but i'm just saying if you took a step back from and you you didn't say you were quoting the bible and you said here's a guy that says he has made the uh you know the dead walk the dead come to life and he could make the yeah. blind see again they would call it magic we just don't call it that when it comes to the Christian uh, application of these forces. But they, we know that they believe in it because that's why they shut down all the churches. I mean, that's why they they have they have satanic rituals. And by the way, in satanic rituals, they stand. I I, I haven't been to one. They just say this. They stand six feet apart in a circle. They wear masks. The the inductees wear masks and wash their hands. I know, you know this is exactly that we were in a huge satanic ritual in COVID. Uh, and, totally. I, and I think because this and I the only reason I even looked into that was the six feet. Because six, as six soon feet. as they said this six feet number, I said, wait a minute. That is completely made up. That cannot be real. That's not the way science works. But I found out it wasn't completely made up. It came from that is a thing in, in these satanic rituals. Six feet has a magic meaning somehow. Well, six 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 six, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um so, yeah, so in this one, they say that the backing that the international trust memberships have supposedly included, and it's very possible that it has. I just haven't found anything that corroborates it for sure. Uh, John D. Rockefeller, Norman Cousin, uh, Robert D. S. Sorry, McNamara, Thomas Watson Jr., who was a former uh, uh, from IBM, the former U.S. ambassador to Moscow, Henry Clausen. Grand Commander of the Supreme Council, thirty-third degree. Okay, so so far, all everybody seems to fit into the to the right donation pattern. Okay, go and ahead. Henry Kissinger, 
Yeah. yeah I was just going to say, I'm I thought you were going to say Christian. I just haven't found like a direct, other than somebody saying it, you know. Um, right. But it does sound very, very likely. Um, yeah. And then, uh, okay, so we go on. The activity, they, so they're very, I was talking about how they're very involved in education. And, you know, UNESCO is also uh, part of the UN, which is, uh, you know, and they're really involved in like local United States education. People think it's like a, you know, global NGO, but they are very, very involved. And I know, I know that firsthand. I've seen a lot of the bills where they're coming through UNESCO. And of course, U UNESCO was also helmed by Julian Huxley, the eugenicist and Malthusian depopulationist who coined the term transhumanism. Um, but you know that's why that's why they you know look they went from home we were all essentially in we were not in a unified school system yep. when i was started school it was one system we weren't in any other big system it's just this one school and then in my lifetime they started consolidating with other schools and then we yep. got the department of education at the state level we got yep. school boards and department of education and then it became a federal thing and now we got common core in other words it all and this is the same thing doctors to get the first we had we were all independent we all worked yeah. for ourselves. You couldn't have controlled us that way. So right. they had every, it's all it centralization. It. This whole world, everything. So what you just said about education is true. Every facet of the world is being centralized. Small businesses are going away and it's, they're getting gobbled up into these big conglomerates because yeah. it's easier to control a few things than all yeah. of us crazy humans. That's exactly. It's exactly what's going on in education. You're right. It's it's terrible. And it's yeah. the fact that they're in charge of it is even scarier. Yes, because when you know, and that's why I thought it was important to study. I, I spent a lot of time reading about her experience with the master. Uh, oh, and so I just I'll realized, yeah, I, I apologize. I just realized I have to blip out here in a few minutes. You do. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll revisit this. Maybe we'll. Oh, yeah. So let's do it. Yeah. You want to do an ending and then um, maybe. Uh, yeah, we can totally clean can. up this. I just realized what time it was. I I just saw that too. Okay, so yeah. Finish so, what you were going to say, and then uh, and then we'll just. Oh, I was just going to say, like I spent a lot of time when I was. Uh, I didn't get through as much of uh, Blavatsky's history, but I really did go through a lot of uh, um, Bailey's, like you know, her journey uh, that she initially rejected because I wanted to understand her worldview and her perspective. And when you see, you know, that coming through. Lucius Trust and their messaging. And I mean, we just saw a couple of glimpses, glimpses on the website and it seems to be very much aligned. But yeah, maybe we'll, we'll come back and pick it up because I think it would be really interesting for people. I mean, they can go and do their own research too. It's not hard to find, but they have divisions of all these different entities in New York, in Switzerland, in London, of course, that are all connected to Lucius Trust, World Goodwill, mm -hmm. And they're all these international uh, NGOs. I mean, it's things like the New Economic Foundation, the World Health Organization, uh, Peace Through Unity, the British Holistic Medical Association, the World Wildlife Fund, which, of course, is tied to UNESCO and Julian Huxley, uh, the World College. Uh, yeah, so UNICEF, they, these they are all connected to Lucius Trust. So, wow. Yeah. Um, well. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I think we've got a, I I think we've got more information here than we can chew in one time. But we, yeah. but but I think going like you say, I think looking more deeply at some of these connections. But the other thing is, I I think we ought to look at these ascended masters. Look, I think so know, too. I'm going to look up the Saint Germain because if he comes up, he's the ascended master we keep hearing about today. 
Well, it yeah, has to do with the quantum financial. financial system. I think we should look at him, and I'm sure Lucis Trust is uh, connected somehow. That does not would not surprise right. me. Right? Uh, yeah, so, I wouldn't be surprised if he and the Lucis Trust are somehow. We'll find a connection. Died. We'll find it. <laughs> All right. Well, to be continued. This was super fun as always. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, this is definitely dangerous material. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we might have bitten off more than we can chew, but we'll we'll get back to it. <laughs> All righty. Thanks, everybody. See ya. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.